Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Danny Sriskandaraja, Chief Executive of Oxfam Great Britain. I joined Oxfam in January 2019, and over the last few months I've been discovering this wonderful organization that for over 75 years has been at the forefront of the struggle against global poverty. But as we look to the future in a fast-changing world, Oxfam needs to change too. Some of that is about addressing our past failings, and I've already seen some important progress in how we design our programs to ensure they're safer for everyone we work with and for. But there are also other vital questions to think about. What are the big struggles in the world that we need to be working on? How can we add value? How do we need to change? Over the coming months, I'll be putting those questions to a range of people as part of what we're calling Open Oxfam. And I really hope it'll take us on a journey of transformative change. In this podcast, I want to look at arguably the most important challenge facing humanity, climate change. And specifically, the role an organization like ours can play in highlighting and tackling the risks of climate change. I'm going to begin by talking to a colleague of mine, Kiri Hanks, who is Oxfam's policy advisor on climate change. Hello, Kiri. Hello. People probably know Oxfam because of our work on on fighting poverty around the world. But the question I'm wondering is, as, as humanity's priorities change and where climate is fast rising up the policy agenda, I'd love to know more about what Oxfam is doing on, on climate change. What do we do? Well, through our programme work, we really see how people are being impacted on climate change. And a lot of our programmes are now trying to support communities better prepare for and adapt to climate impacts that they're feeling now. And then at a campaigning and advocacy level, um, we push big emitters to stop contributing to the problem and also to live up to their commitments to provide climate finance. And climate finance means means what? Well, it, it's financial assistance from developed to developing countries, so leaders promised that they would provide $100 billion a year by 2020. We track that every couple of years, um, lift the lid on, on where it's going, is it benefiting the people it's meant to benefit. So if we start with the first of the, those interventions, what's an example of, of a project or programme that we're doing? So in Zimbabwe, we, we work with uh, small-scale farmers to help them have access to drought-resistant seeds and seeds that are more locally adapted. So the rains used to come regularly in Zimbabwe. People used to name the rains every year, and now they've stopped doing that because the rains come late or there's a little trickle and then there are dry spells. It just means farmers are left guessing about when they can plant, and they're also having to shift away from crops that they're very used to growing, like maize, to to newer, smaller grains. So when Oxfam plans a say, a project in Zimbabwe on, on seeds, are we doing it with the view that we're trying to address poverty or address climate change? We could say it's the same fight, right. <laughs> fighting climate change and fighting poverty, because it's it's the people who are already vulnerable, who are going to be worst and are being affected first and worst by right. climate change. You know, if you're, you're one of the 70% of farmers that relies on rains to grow their crop, or if you have no insurance to fall back on or or no savings or especially if you're if you're a woman and maybe you don't own your land it means you can't do any farming based on investment it's vulnerable people who are facing the brunt of climate change you know there's lots of people out there who are 
talking about, shouting about climate change, what do you think our role could be as we, um, you know, to add value and complement what others are doing? Hmm. It's what we've been doing for years, but I think it's it's still important to to highlight the human face of climate change and really bring it alive to people that climate change is ultimately it's about people and it's about power and while the students on strike for them it's an issue about their futures for the people we work with it's their today Mm. climate change is only going to get bigger it's not going to go anywhere it's not going to go away and I think we need to think seriously about what a 1.5 degree world is going to look like and then on top of that looking at how are we responding to climate change what kind of policies are we putting in place and is that going to be a fair transition or inadvertently in tackling climate change are we actually going to be trampling on poor people's land rights and that's one of the issues that we've been watching like a hawk with Mm -hmm. the UK government's net zero law because we we want that achieved without the use of international offsets we think zero should mean zero within the UK and not zero by paying poorer countries to remove emissions which often involves large amounts of land to grow energy crops and that creates competition with food crops and us tackling climate change shouldn't shouldn't result in people not having enough food to eat for example. Should we talk about sustainable fashion for a bit? I'm told that eight percent of all global greenhouse gas emissions uh, are from the fashion sector. Mm. Um, that's shocking isn't it? Yeah it's it's huge it's actually that makes it bigger than the international aviation and shipping <laughs> sectors. Wow, so we shouldn't just fly less, we should yeah. wear less. No, that can't be right. <laughs> that was Kiri Hanks, Oxfam's policy advisor on climate change. Now, when we think about practical ways to tackle the climate crisis, one area where Oxfam's been doing really important work is by seeking to make the fashion industry more sustainable. Every week, 11 million items of clothing in the UK end up in landfill. It's clear that throwaway fashion is putting increasing pressure on our planet. So how can you help? By buying and donating your clothes through an Oxfam shop, you can give clothes a second chance and increase their lifespan, which helps to reduce environmental impact, but also helps us to raise about £20 million a year that we can then use to do our work around the world, including with people whose lives are being torn apart by climate change, like those Zimbabwean farmers we've just been discussing. I suspect many people listening to this podcast may already donate your clothes to Oxfam. But do you know where your clothes go when they don't sell? Well, one of the first places I wanted to visit when I became chief executive of Oxfam was our textile recycling plant, Waste Saver, located in Batley in Yorkshire. It's where we sort out the clothes that don't sell in our 600 or so high street shops and give them a new lease of life. Waste Saver is an amazing example of how Oxfam helps to save some of those 11 million items from going to landfill. And Lorraine Needham-Reed is the woman who's going to show me how it's all done. Right, Danny, so this is the production warehouse. This is where all the sorting of the clothes that we can't sell in Oxfam for a variety of reasons goes on and this is where we begin to sort it. And there's only part of the warehouse. So this is the production side of the warehouse. We also have a traditional storage warehouse and an online shop and festivals operation within here. So this is a very long warehouse with um, 
two production lines, conveyor belts that just seem chock full of black sacks and ten people here um, sorting out piles and piles of clothes. I've never seen anything like this before. And so how many bags a day would, would get dropped here? Oh, over to Andrew. He's the one that gets the bags in. About a thousand, basically, from his own vehicles. We'll have 500, 500 tonne of it a month coming in. Yeah. So 500 tonnes worth just of black bags yeah, yeah, from our shops. Yeah. These garment sorters are pulling off stock that is um, suitable to be resold in an Oxfam shop, suitable to be sold online, or suitable to go to festivals. So we have mood boards on the wall that say what the online shop wants at this season and also say what each different festival wants. My goodness, I'm here in the second part of the warehouse and in front of me are bales and bales stacked three, four metres high. It's like walls of compacted clothes in neat lines uh, taking up a huge part of this warehouse. It's called Jazz. It's called Jazz because it's jazzy colours and it will go to be pulled back. So the yarn's pulled back and made into like a felt. So if you've got a a mattress, an old-fashioned mattress that has springs on it, between the springs and your bum is this layer of felt and that's what that's made out of. Let's not get run over by a forklift. This is how one of the ways we live up to this promise of no clothing going to landfill yes. because some of this material that we can't sell is going to be sent to these suppliers, going to pull it apart and make it into this felt or other bits of recycled Yes, fiber. exactly, yeah. So, you know, in bits of carpet and mattresses up and down the country, so there could be... a little bit of Oxfam. A little bit of Oxfam or a little bit of the stuff that people donate to our yeah. stores and, yeah. you know, some of it might find its way back into their own houses but yeah. as fibre. That's just great yeah. to think in that, in that way. Lorraine, it's been fantastic to meet you and the team here at Wastesaver. I've been struck by a bunch of things. One of them is how long this operation has been going for. Can you tell me a bit about the history, please? Yeah, so we started in conjunction with Kirklees Council in 1974 in an old mill in Huddersfield. Um, it, it didn't just recycle textiles at that time. We, we did bottle tops and all sorts of things. And long before recycling was even a long, thing. Long before right? recycling was... I mean, we did that for two years. And then Oxfam wrote a report called Muck and Brass. It said that actually textiles was the only part of the recycling at that time that you could actually make money out of. So that's when Waste Saver became the beast that you see today. What makes us different from every other textile recycler is the fact that we are aligned to Oxfam and we have... Um, a chop network, so in, we can reuse things as garments, mm. um, so in their original form kind of thing. Um, so instead of everything going to recycling, we we look to see where we can make the most money for Oxfam out of it. You've been working with Oxfam for 20, 21, years, 21 yes. years. What do you get out of it? I'm very proud to say this is who I work for and this is what I do. So obviously I'm, I'm very much part of the wanted to end world poverty, um, but also I'm really into kind of sustainable fashion and, um, and wanting to change how we buy and what we do. So tell me, what more could we do? 
So in Sweden, there's a company called Renew Cell, and they're taking cotton, a lot of it jeans, um, and they're taking it back to a pulp to make a viscose that you can then make more fabric from. So we have 15 legs right. in Sweden going through that process to see what we can, if we can do anything like that. I mean, another thing that we're looking at is we went to see a paper manufacturer called Croppers in Kendall. Apparently, I didn't realise this, but paper originally was made from cotton. It wasn't made from, mm. uh, from wood. And they're going back to looking at trying to make it from cotton. And in fact, they did take some things from here and they have made little samples of of paper from it. So the idea would be, could you make the paper carrier bags out of the old cotton of the um, fabric that the company's donated to us? So I think it's about working with people like that to try and find what is the next thing, what's the next step, what's going to change. It would be so brilliant if we could say to people who donate things to yeah. us that we'll not only work hard and be really clever about finding the best price for your donated item, which will then help us raise money for the work that we do, but also we're going to help save the planet. If you think forward, say in 21 years' time, when you will have just served... 42 years at uh, Oxfam. What will Oxfam's trading, recycling, shop operations look like? What would be really cool was if here had a fibre-to-fibre plant of its own. So we were doing our own fibre-to-fibre recycling. Let's keep talking about that. I think that's definitely, if we're going to make any dent into sustainable consumption, we just have to find better ways of of recycling everything it is all being about part of this being this circular economy and being part of that and we've started that circle in 1974 Mm. so let's keep it going Mm. hi hi Hi, nice to meet you i'm holly hi holly i'm danny very nice to meet you uh this is fabulous oh yes welcome to the online shop so you'll have seen next door already in waste saver those guys sorting out the clothes and you might have seen our mood boards. And what happens next? What happens next is you'll see over there a little sign saying garment care area. Over there we've got a couple of volunteers at the minute hanging up pieces and steaming them. We also have a couple of volunteers who run washing cycles for us, ex-dress makers who sew new buttons on, put new zips in, do minor repairs... Uh, give every item a little bit of TLC. These are some very cool things you've got here. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. That <laughs> is a, I assume, a, a sort of long dress in bright orange and red floral patterns. It doesn't even seem to have a label on it. What does that mean? Does that mean it's not... I think this is a handmade piece from this. I estimate it's probably 70s. Uh, looks like it's a nice crimpoline fabric there. Got some flared sleeves going on. Why don't you ever feature, you know, glamorous clothes for men in their 40s? <laughs> That's because men in their 40s do not donate their clothes. Oh. <laughs> you start donating them, we'll start showcasing them. <laughs> we were told that you like a blazer and you like a jazzy shirt. Who's told you all this? So we have got some things out if you'd like to have a little look. These are very cool. Uh, ooh. There we go, that is on card. Thank Coffee. you. Thank you. Do you want a little bag for those? Um, yeah, that might be good if you've got something handy, would be great if you've If you've got this far, thank you very much for listening to this Open Oxfam podcast. I found the conversation with Kiri reassuring. It's great to know how seriously Oxfam is taking our advocacy role in combating the climate emergency. And that we're also doing things to help the poorest people on the planet 
adapt to the very real impacts of climate change. And I had a fascinating day at Wastesaver. I think I arrived thinking that it was mostly a way to maximize the value of donations. But I can see now that there's a huge waste management aspect to our operations as well. As sustainable consumption becomes increasingly important, I hope Oxfam can continue to be at the vanguard of thinking through how we can do our bit. And here's an offer to listeners. If you're wondering what you can do to make your wardrobe more sustainable, we'd like to invite you to join Oxfam in what we're calling Secondhand September. Oxfam is asking people to pledge to say no to new clothes for 30 days. If you'd like to get involved, you can sign up at oxfam.org.uk or search for hashtag SecondHandSeptember on social media. And if you've got any suggestions for how Oxfam can play a greater role on climate change and sustainable consumption, please do let me know. Thank you for listening.